You're listening to another episode of Classic Movies Live, the pre-recorded show where we talk about movies that just came out. Uh, today, we got something real special for you. You've heard us be excited about it on the podcast for a couple of uh, a couple of weeks now. We are going to talk about Five Nights at Freddy's, the latest video game movie uh, based on the horror game from 2014 by Scott Cawthon. Uh, now, if... Um, you know, if you're not familiar with Five Nights at Freddy's, this game uh, started out as a relatively simple indie game and spawned just an immense amount of lore and entire YouTube channels basically survived off it for a couple of years. Some probably still do. Uh, this is a big thing. I don't think either of us was like really in the trenches of the Five Nights at Freddy's fandom. But uh, we were both very familiar with it, so we were looking forward to seeing what this would uh, turn into on screen. This is a pretty spoiler-light episode until we get into hard spoilers, which we do say, so there is a spoiler warning. But yeah, with that out of the way, I think we'll just get right into it. Here is a little song from The Living Tombstone before you hear us start talking about the movie. <laughs> Listening to another episode of Classic Movies Live, pre-recorded show where we talk about uh, the, the animatronics. And actually, I have a question for you, Pierre. And that is the way I want to phrase this question is: When is the last time you were at Chuck E. Cheese? However, I understand that Chuck E. Cheese may not be as much of a thing in Canada as it was in the Midwest of the U.S. when I was growing up. So, more what I want to ask is: What was your local arcade, and how often did you go? I didn't really have a local arcade. I I most I grew up in like a well when I was younger I lived in like a smaller like a farm town for like three years and that I feel like that's when like I would have gotten into arcade games mm-hmm. and then afterwards when I moved to Vancouver and there were kind of arcades here uh, that was when like the rise of PC gaming was starting and arcades like died so right yeah. Not so. I don't. I don't. I don't think I have any arcade experience. My only. My only experience is watching movies that involve arcades as, as settings. Did, did you never have a chance to go to Scandia while you were in Kelowna? I went to Scandia, but I just. Uh, I didn't really like that place personally. No, that's fair. And I it's felt like... I was too old for. Like, if I was a kid and Scandia existed close to me, I think it would have been great. But going there is personally for me as like when I was like. 20 years old it, it did not hit the same yeah i think the uh the most fun i've ever had at scandia because i've been a few times but the most fun i've ever had at scandia was when i went with my kid cousin who was like who's i think 15 years younger than me so it's like 
she's really into it, and I'm into yeah. the fact that people around me are into things. Yeah. And they have multiplayer Pac-Man, which is kind of cool. That is actually, yeah, multiplayer Pac-Man's really fun. I I really enjoy that. There's actually, there's a cool, there's there's kind of a revival. There's a place called the Rec Room. I think it's a chain, where it, but it's like an adult arcade, where it's like, it's like you have to be above 19 and you can have drinks and it's a lot. I like it a lot more than Scandia, but then it's also kind of like, uh, it's not, arcades aren't, it feels kind of weird when it's just like a bunch of 40 year olds playing, playing arcade games around you. And it's like, it's like, it feels like there should be kids there. In a weird way Although too. it's interesting you say that's a chain. Cause I didn't know that. I thought that was just a place in Toronto and you brought it up unprompted, not even talking about per- Toronto. So there's definitely at least yeah, one. There is one not here, in yeah. Toronto. <laughs> yeah. So. It's pretty new. Or it's I gotta two, go there. It's like two years old. Yeah, it's cool. You should try it. Um, but yeah, not much arcade actual experience. No Chuck E. Cheese experience. I wonder why I would say Chuck E. Cheese specifically. Um, it's it, it's almost like there's a movie we're talking about that's slightly based on the Chuck E. Cheese franchise. <laughs> yeah, today we're gonna talk about a movie called Five Nights at Freddy's, which I know you were looking forward to. I was also really looking forward to. Uh, this is, you know, it takes place in a pizzeria with some with an animatronic band who may or may not be murderous and also robots, uh, which is, you know, it's it's interesting. It's I I think like what's most interesting to me about this is that this is a video game movie and it is like it's it's a video game movie and it's based on a video game that's not that game-like and it's a concept that's like very ripe for being adapted into a movie and um it has been i guess what i was trying to get at is like this is currently the best opening for a video game movie of all time and it may end up being the highest grossing video game movie of all time hard to say because it happened to come out the same year as the mario bros movie Okay, yeah, I was gonna say it's, it's yeah, not gonna it's, gross Mario. I mean, it it might, but it has to like keep the momentum that it has for oh, the last yeah. couple of days for several weeks. Yeah, which I kind of doubt because Halloween's just around the corner, and I feel like a lot of the hype won't be as strong in November. But hey, you never know. It could happen. Well, and and the other thing too. Well, like also, this was released both in theaters and on streaming at the same time, and while this. I went to a theater that was packed for this. But at the same time, I got to say, like, this movie is... um, I feel like this movie is not quite for as broad of an audience as Mario. Like, the way that... We'll talk about it a bit, but this movie is very much... it, It is a, like, typical horror movie. And I don't say that to be disparaging. I just mean that's kind of the genre it falls into where Mario is like a typical kids movie with a little bit there for adults. So like it really reaches a very broad audience where uh, Five Nights at Freddy's, I'm not going to say that it isn't acceptable for a relatively broad audience, but it is much narrower in scope by default than Mario, or at least it's reaching for a much narrower scope, I would say. 
Well, after you watch the movie, it, I think it's a lot more family friendly than oh, it's is definitely family friendly. I was hoping for so they definitely were trying to possibly get a uh, a type of audience akin to Mario in some ways. I would say, I mean, I think more what I would say is it's um, it is relatively family friendly, but the way that it's advertised isn't to get families in seats like. If you're if you're a dad, if you're like two parents and your 13 year old kid loves Five Nights at Freddy's, this is one you can take them to. But it's not like it's if you don't know anything about Five Nights at Freddy's, if you watch this trailer, the idea like you're not going to be like, oh, me and my five and six year old should go to that. Your five and six year old will be fine here yeah but it's not like sold to your five and six year old i would hope not (laughs) yeah yeah um yeah it's uh it's it's definitely like a it's a hard franchise to sell i'd say on the big screen you know because you you have these very obviously merchant merchandisable characters um you have a, a very big extended universe and very dedicated fans um, and you also have a lot of casual people that just want to watch a horror movie, you know? So it's like, it's really tough to really nail all those markets. Like, even though it's just the first movie, it's, it's almost like, like, you know, make when they were making the star Wars reboot or something though, like got appeal to the old fans, new fans, people that don't know star Wars. Like it, it is pretty tough. Yeah. And this is, well, I mean, like just kind of to summarize what you're saying more than anything is, uh, this movie has to appeal to people that don't know Five Nights at Freddy's at all. And also it builds in so much lore. It has to build in enough lore to like appeal to the people who've been following the series for nine years, as well as the people like me who fell off after the first year and were like, this is too much for me, actually. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a definitely what it started in 2014 Yes. So the franchise is what nine years old now. Yeah, that would make it nine years old. Yeah, which is really crazy. Yeah, I don't. Know. And there's been what you were talking about. There's twenty five. Is it, you say twenty five technically like installments in the series? Because there's like twelve. There's like ten games. I think eight main series games, two spinoffs. Ten main series games, five spinoffs, and. Uh, at least three full novels. Oh, okay. And additionally, it looks like several comics, which the I can't tell if like Five Nights at Freddy's Fazbear Frights number one is like a 20-page comic or if that's a graphic novel. There's like at least 20 comics, but some of those might be relatively short. Probably most of them are pretty short. Yeah, probably. But still quite quite impressive and a very convoluted storyline. Personally, I never played the games. I, I tried it for like 10 minutes and I was actually too scared to play it. It stressed me out. Um, I remember I tried it in second year of university with a buddy. I was like, hey, we should play this. It'll be cool. And like we got to the first jump scare and he's like, this is stupid. What's going on? And I'm like, yeah, you're not wrong. So I, I like so you lived, I lived vicariously through YouTube videos. <laughs> That's fair. I don't know. It just, it really, the games, it, cause it's such a simple game, but like, I think it's just, it's, 
because the jump scares isn't that bad. It's just like the anticipation for me, mm-hmm. I guess, you know, and mixed with the idea of like, like with the way they make the power, you have a limited amount of power there at times. It's kind of like in Slenderman, I guess. Oddly, a very similar game that came out around the same year, I think. It was a good year for like indie horror games. Yeah, it was. Um, you can't like monitor the threats at all times. There are points where you just kind of have to sit and hope nothing bad happens. Um, and I think that's that that is an interesting aspect. And uh, and I, I think Scott took a game that was pretty good and basically was able to create an entire universe behind it, which I think seems like the main draw. Because I think a lot there's a lot more people that have um, watched content around the game rather than actually played the game yeah because this game because like the franchise for five nights at freddy's has so much more involved with it that i kind of think like i don't know it's a mess i think it's i think it's too much but admittedly it's a lot and it's kind of interesting like if you fall into that rabbit hole it's an interesting rabbit hole to be in yeah I, I really liked it. I think I think that's what really drew me in. Because in, in in essence, the first at least four games are literally just like you are a character in one room, and you need to check to make sure there are no monsters coming in. And that's literally yeah. the whole game, like over and over again. So like the lore is what kind of keeps it interesting for a lot of people, I think. And while it doesn't really make much sense, I think that's what really kept drawing me in. Um, I feel like now it's kind of at a point where it's like it kind of got to a point where it's like I don't really care anymore because it's it just gets really weird and it's just like this isn't going to end. There's no conclusion to it. After ten games, like if you're interested and invested in it, then great. But if you're not oh, yeah. <laughs> by the tenth game, then like you're not gonna become interested by the eleventh game. Yeah, exactly. There's a and I mean I I feel like there was a main storyline that kind of ended and. And then I feel like the creator, Scott Cawthon, tried to make a new kind of, not generation, but like a new series of games on like a new plot line. But then there was a lot of controversy a couple of years ago. And it seems like he's retired from gaming or making games basically uh, because of the controversy. But now he has, you know, stretched his hands into the movie world because uh, apparently he had a lot of, I guess... He had a lot of influence on the making of this movie. He was extremely involved. Yeah, I don't. He must have signed a contract that, like, he only gave rights if he had like final, final say in the cut. Because apparently, there's been tons of scripts. It's in development hell for like six, seven years. Um, and then they they finally got the movie out right, but it it was a lot. And apparently, he was on credit. Yeah, he has a screenplay credit. The story's by him. And I believe I read somewhere that he was on set like every day. Uh, I wouldn't say, I don't want to say calling the shots, but he was definitely there to uh, influence the way the movie was going, you know? And it sounds yeah, like... Yeah, I, I watched a behind-the-scenes video yesterday that like, it sounds like he wasn't on set every single day, but he was on set a lot and he had as much say day-to-day if he wanted it as the director is what it sounded like. Like, he could go up to the costume person and be like, no, that's not what that character wears. Yeah, which is, like... Like, I get there's a lot of push, and, like, obviously fans always want, like, the original creators to be part of something, right? Mm 
uh, and they don't want less studio interference and stuff. But I, I feel like, I mean, we'll talk about the movie in a bit, but like, I feel like Scott Cawthon, he is a, like, I don't want to limit him. I'm sure he has a very creative mind, but this is his first time being involved in a movie. And he's, he's been primarily a very good game developer, but a game developer. I, I, I feel like it might have influenced the movies in some ways that I personally don't love, but maybe he actually made it better than it was going to be as well. I, I can't tell. I couldn't tell you that. So it's it's not his first time with a movie because he is a oh, filmmaker sorry. by trade. He is? Yeah, he made Christian movies from 2002 to 2010. Okay, well, <laughs> I, that was like... He, he, he did, did he have a any success in those movies? Absolutely not. Okay. Nope. <laughs> That's not, not the fact several, that they're Christian movies. It's just, yeah. He directed several very strange Christian animation movies. Oh, okay. I thought he I was a like, Christian game developer, and then he got into horror gaming. Um, I, I actually like it. Might have been wrong for me to uh, to characterize him as a filmmaker. Like he ha- he is a filmmaker. Clearly, he has made films, but. Uh, when I was saying, I think he is a, I think he's an animator by trade, which is why he's uh, had like the specific crossover that he has. Because yeah, yes, maybe, yeah. you're right. He did a lot of Christian games. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, maybe he was partly doing a, oh yeah, animated Christian films. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And, and it's not because they're Christian. I just want to say, it doesn't sound like they were big movies. I don't know if that's the best experience for a, a horror movie set. But again, I, I don't want to disrespect Scott. I feel like maybe it's possible he made the movie better than it could have been too. So you never know. But yeah. yeah, who knows? Anyways, well, what's fe- what's Five Nights at Freddy's about, Jeff? Uh, in Five Nights at Freddy's, there's a guy named Mike. He gets uh, hired as a security guard. But uh, that's not too unusual because he is already a security guard by trade. He gets hired as a security guard um, for a new, not a new, for an old abandoned pizzeria called Freddy Fazbear's Pizzeria. It's abandoned and no one goes there ever for any reason. But they need a security guard because the old owner is sentimental about it, I guess. But when he goes there as the security guard... Uh, he discovers over time, oh, after about three nights, that the animatronics that are there, this is like a Chuck E. Cheese stand-in, so there's an animatronic fan. The animatronics have a mind of their own, and they aren't necessarily very nice. And also, that may or may not be connected to uh, an experience that he had as a very tiny child where his brother was kidnapped by a person who he can't remember. So he uh, is constantly experimenting with lucid dreaming to see if he can remember what the, uh, what the person who kidnapped his brother looks like. And he thinks, after a certain amount of time, that there may be some connection between the thing that happened to him as a kid and the pizzeria that he is a security guard at now. Did I miss anything? Did I miss anything important? Oh, he wants custody over his sister, who is a young, tiny child. Yeah, that's kind of it. 
Yeah, I don't know. It sounds really anticlimactic. <laughs> when you say it out loud, it's like, damn, it really, it really was the movie. I mean, um, there is more in this movie. This movie has a bunch of side plots related to, like, vaguely related to those same things. I kind of like, he's got, way, though. He's got an evil aunt who wants custody of his sister. He, like, meets a hot policewoman who... Uh, knows something about the Chuck E. Cheese that he's at, but won't say anything for fear of giving away the rest of the plot. And then, and then he meets Matthew Lillard, who is not suspicious at all. So, like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think he did a better job in Scream of hiding his true. At least in Scream, he was crazy, but like, it was like you didn't think he was serial killer crazy. Yeah. Um, and in this, he's crazy, but he's definitely very creepy as well from the start. Yeah, it's like, um, oh, a career counselor, and he's played by the highest profile actor in this movie? I wonder if he'll come back in some sinister <laughs> variation. Yeah, sorry. that's. I guess that's technically a spoiler, but like, it's really obvious. Like, I don't know. It's If you I, know how remember, movies are written, he's, there's no one else it could have been. I won't specifically say it, but when they were casting this movie and they announced that Matthew Lillard was cast in the movie, someone, technically not an official source, confirmed that he was cast as like a very important character from the uh, from the games. And then when the official ca- when the official like announcement came through, it said Matthew Lillard has been cast as a new character, and it's like, oh, okay, cool. <laughs> but, like, before that, someone had said Matthew Lillard has officially been cast as, and then, like, said the name of the important character from the series. Yeah. And it's like, okay, well, everyone knew. Yeah. But I guess technically it wasn't official. Bit of a giveaway. Um, but anyways, yeah, what did you think of FNAF? I didn't like it. I hated it a lot, actually. <laughs> I thought it was very bad. And I'll admit, I had a bad, I I had a bad experience in the theater because, like I said, it was a full theater, but it was, it was full of exactly the kind of people who want to see this movie, which is great for them, but I was not them. So like, Mm -hmm. I'm sitting there having a really bad time while people were like cheering like it was Spider Man No Way Home. There's a scene in the there's a cameo. There's a cameo scene in this that I didn't even hear any of the dialogue because people were like clapping. People were applauding and cheering so loud. I could not hear anything that was happening in the movie. Did you, did you go on Thursday night? I did. I did. Go okay. On I, was, Thursday night. I was like, yeah, cause yeah. my crowd was not, my crowd was not like that, but I guess I, I could see why the Thursday night crowd would be specifically fan, uh, it's kind of crazy i I never thought of it's kind of cool how like i guess youtubers can sometimes just be just as big as celebrities now you just never realize it until you see one in a movie yeah it is uh it it is actually inspiring how much of an event this movie was like yeah obviously not i don't know about obviously i don't think this is gonna this movie is as big an event as like Oppenheimer and Barbie was by any means, but like people showed up for this movie and people were super hyped to see everything about this movie. So like, regardless of what our, uh, I mean, I think 
I think if you're super deep into FNAF lore, like you don't need us to tell you, go see this movie. Like if you're, if you're deep enough into FNAF that you're interested in the FNAF movie, you probably don't need to care about what critics think of it. Uh, yeah. And certainly no one in my, in, in my, uh, showing would have cared what critics think of it. Yeah. It's, um, I'd say it, it, it did remind me a lot of watching Mario where it's just like, it feels like a lot of people are just kind of there to see the characters on screen. The mm-hmm. plot, the plot doesn't make any sense. A lot of the subplots don't lead anywhere. The main arcs don't really add up, but people are just kind of like, Oh, it's, it's Freddy. Um, which is like, I, I, I like, I like that people get to see their favorite characters. Um, I think it'd be a stretch to be like, this was a great movie and that like, like this, this was a good step in the right direction. Like if they were to make, well, actually I think another FNAF movie would also make a lot of money. I don't know. It's, it is, it is kind of concerning to me that like we are moving past Marvel, like superhero movies where random cameos would get people to clap. But now we're just kind of excited to see random characters on screen with no real story behind it. Um, and people will come out in droves to watch them sometimes. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I wish, I think that this movie, I don't remember, I, I didn't play Five Nights at Freddy's myself that much, the first one. But I watched it, like I watched people play it on YouTube, and I know what I liked about Five Nights at Freddy's. So like, I think that, I actually think that the game Five Nights at Freddy's would has potential to like really adapt well into a into a movie. Uh and this is definitely an adaptation of Five Nights at Freddy's, but I don't even think it does the things well that I think the game does well. Like I think it really drops the ball on most of the horror aspect. And while Five Nights at Freddy's is mostly jump scares, like you can definitely argue and you probably, most people probably would argue that the game isn't really all that scary. I think there's a lot of elements there that you could turn into something scary in the right hands. Like I think that a big part of this movie, a big part of the possibly one of the big problems with this movie is the amount to which Scott Cawthon was involved. I think it's very cool to involve the creator a lot, but um, I don't know if it was a good idea to have him, uh, you know, have final say on set and be one of the screenwriters. Like, I don't know, because I guess I technically don't... All the all the decisions in this movie, the ones that were good and the ones that were bad, I don't know who I should attribute them to, actually. But, like, it feels... It definitely feels like the way that Bloomhouse decided to do this movie, they wanted to keep it as close to Scott's vision as possible and not as close to an interpretation of the vision that he had with Five Nights at Freddy's in 2014, but literally to bring him on and be like, we want you to guide this movie, which uh, if that was the case, and that's why this movie is the way it is, I think it was a bad idea because I think that it misses 
I think that this far into this series with so much lore and stuff, the movie gets tied up in trying to make a compelling story and misses being a compelling horror movie. Yeah, I I think there was potential here. Like, I was looking at, I mean, I don't know if this is true, but he posted on Reddit a, a number of other scripts that were considered in the past six years, and a lot of them did look really bad. And I'm very happy that they didn't go through with them. Like, they were all movies that seemed, like, they involved the animatronics, but it would be like, oh, burglars break in and they are haunted by the animatronics which is, I guess, the scene in this movie um, and stuff like that. But I, I liked how they stuck with the night shift guard. I like that concept and I like yes. that idea. That works. Um, I I like the idea of, uh, you know, Mike having a little sister and he has a, like, I like that story of, like, he has a little sister that he loves and appreciates, but he hasn't gotten over the fact that he lost his little brother and he's more obsessed with, finding his little brother or finding out what happened to his little brother than caring about his little sister. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a, that's, there's something there too, right? Um, That sets the core conflict of the story. Like he's got this security job, which may or may not be dangerous. Yeah. And he needs to do that in order to like keep his sister around. Yeah. But also like, being at his security job, he sort of has to like, the main conflict is like, does he want to do the security job, which will help him keep his sister or mm. does he want to, and thereby lose out on time that he could be spending with his sister or does yeah. he want to like give that up, spend more time with his sister. And like, I mean, there's, there's a couple of core conflicts there. It's a really interesting conflict because like, that is also, and I don't know exactly how to describe it, but it's also at conflict with the idea that he wants to find out what happened to his little brother, which he like can't do completely separate from that conflict of do I work in the security job or do I like hang out with my sister more? Yeah. Yeah. Like that, that story is actually like, there's a lot of potential there, you know? I think the problem is, is just the execution was really off and the movie just seems unfocused on what it wants to be. Is it pleasing the fans? Is it pleasing horror movie fans? Is it pleasing newcomers? Is it the general audience? Um, and then there's also just like, I think it's dragged down a lot by trying to pay homage to the games. Like, I, like I for someone that like I recognize a lot of the references they were making to the games and stuff, but they weren't like enjoyable references. They were like, oh, this is, here's, here's baby. Here's, here's the baby bot from sister location. And it's like, look, like she's just there. And there's just a lot of that, like bringing in care, like Mike, I guess Mike is technically, because in the games, I think the main, the guy who's supposed to be in the night shift is, is supposed to be named Michael Apton, who's the son of the serial killer. And yeah, this kind of no, yeah, in, in the game, but they change it. They like give him the same name, right? His name's Mike. You're right. Um, so they're like they're doing that. I think Abby's also in the games. Abby's supposed to be the daughter of the serial killer, uh, and Michael's little sister, right? So there's 
there's those little things and those aren't bad. Like I appreciate those because they don't really affect the story, right? But when you're doing all this like like fan servicey stuff and then they have to shove in like like uh like the I'd say the main villain of it all had to have like his moment, but it just felt but then they also had to make the moment just like the games, if that makes sense. So And there was uh, a lot of that. We are a half an hour in, so I'm going to put a spoiler warning yeah, okay. here. <laughs> I was because, you could tell I was having yeah, trouble. <laughs> yeah, so this is a spoiler warning. Um, anyway, in my screening, what I the one of the main things I noticed is there's a scene in this where like someone puts down a picture of Matthew Lillard's character and is like, his name is William Afton. And then everything stops for a couple of seconds. And I was like, this is one of those no way home moments. This is yeah. the moment where they show Andrew Garfield on screen and everyone claps and everyone yeah. in, in the movie stays silent for a minute so that everyone can clap. And that's exactly what happened in my, in my showing <laughs> is like they put down the, the photo of William Afton and said the name and then everyone lost their minds. And then later on, only a few minutes later, this is this is why I put that spoiler warning here because this is all the spoilers right right off the bat. A few minutes later, like a yellow bunny came out, a yellow bunny animatronic suit, and again, everyone paused for raucous applause in my in my theater uh, because that's Springtrap, and me as someone who was like vaguely familiar with the lore back in 2014 when I watched a lot of game theory and certainly not anymore. I was like, what does this mean? Who are these people? And it didn't mean anything to me because I'm not that into the lore, but for people who know the lore, that was like big moments, which, you know, is good on some level because you're appeasing the fans. Right. But I think that those kind of things those kind of moments really take away from your movie in the long run. Like if I watch this movie in five years and I, let's say in five years, I use this movie to introduce five nights at Freddy's to someone that hasn't, that doesn't know anything about it. They're going to hear his name is William Afton and think, what does that mean? And there's just like a bunch of silence accompanying that. That doesn't where like, it doesn't mean anything. Yeah. Well, yeah, it reminds me a lot of like No Way Home is a great. I mean, I guess that's how people who weren't Spider-Man fans felt watching No Way Home where they're just probably they probably watched and they're like, why? This movie's just so weird. Why are they just stop? It's like, why Why are there these moments where it just seems like people are supposed to be clapping here, you know? And that's why, like, I don't I haven't really watched No Way Home since it came out because you can't. It's not a movie made for consuming, not in the theater opening night, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's it's it does have those issues. Um, I just say yeah, it's a lot because there's that. I'd say the whole like having because it's like they wanted they didn't want Mike to be related to the serial killer because then that make him complicit or it's like they wanted to take sep- have separation from him because in the game Mike the security guard is supposed to be William Afton's son, you know? So in this case, they just changed it. They didn't want it to be the protagonist, so they changed it to this new Vanessa character, who's his daughter. But that, like, it's like they did that because 
like he has to have um, a child in, you know, William Afton has to have a child, right? Be involved or something. And it's like, and that I think that could work. Like, I like the fact that, you know, Mike knew someone that had a close relation to the serial killer that kind of tied the game together or the movie together. But do they do anything with that relationship? Does it make any sense? It doesn't at all. Like, I'm just like, after the movie was over, it's like, so was Vanessa's plan, like, was, was Vanessa conspiring with her dad? Was she trying to lure Mike into bringing Abby along so that her dad could kill her? Or like, what was, why did William Afton hire Mike to protect the place when he didn't want anyone protecting it? I, saw... I just don't understand a lot of those things. I saw a different video on YouTube and I can't link to it because I don't even remember what it was. Five Nights at Freddy's as a movie coming out is such a big moment for every YouTuber that probably every YouTuber I watch has talked about this movie. But like, it's it's so wild. Um, the fact that someone pointed out, the, the video I was watching pointed out that like, what was William Afton's plan here? He saw a character, he saw someone come into his office looked at his like resume and said, Mike Schmidt, I abducted a kid named Schmidt a while ago. I wonder if they're related. And it's like, how do you have that idea if his name is Schmidt? Like Schmidt is yeah. not a uncommon name. Yeah. Also like he kidnapped his brother in Nebraska and then like across the country, they just happened to meet up and he's his career counselor. Why? Why is a guy that was running a serial killer running the five time five the Freddie Fazbear's pizza joint? Be, why, how does he become a career counselor? I'm guessing like he wasn't like, and he must be the guy who owns the place, right? Like, yeah, who else would own it? But then, why would he hire someone to watch it at night so that he could get caught? And like, was he trying to? I don't know, dude. It was, I mean, like. I think that I don't want to say this just as a throwaway defense, but like putting um, some something you said a couple of episodes like really stuck with me. You were like, if this was a good movie, we wouldn't be nitpicking it this much. And I think yeah. that that applies here as well. Like there are so many weird little inconsistencies that just like don't add up. And uh, I mean, Honestly, one other thing I want to p touch on, I don't think any of that makes up for the fact that this is just not a good horror movie. I'm not saying that like it's not scary because I think that whether or not you're scared by a horror movie is entirely up to you. And it's a very edgy and hilarious thing to say, oh, that horror movie didn't scare me. The Exorcist, that's not scary. It's like, it doesn't yeah. matter. Is it a well-executed horror movie? And yeah. personally, I don't think this really is because like, the only time, the big horror scene with the animatronic... Okay, so here's what I want to say. The, the first Five Nights at Freddy's movie, not movie, game. What I think is really cool about that and what makes the horror work is beyond... Like, people remember that game for its jump scares. But what I remember that game for is the fact that it was it's on such a low budget that there is almost no animation. The reason the mm. jump scares are so like work as well as they do. Part of the reason they work as well as they do is that's also the only animated part of the game. Like when the main gameplay loop is that you watch, uh, 
you watch security cameras and when you turn off the security camera and like go to a different camera, if you go back to the first camera, things have moved around. So mm-hmm. you like never see anything moving. You just know that something is happening while you're not watching. That's really scary. And in this movie, the first time we see the animatronics move, they like run around as big robots and kill people. And it's it just immediately robs all of that like actual horror from that idea and yeah. makes them very funny, which, you know, is fine. It, it, it's very funny, but it's not it's not scary and it's not like it doesn't try to be. It doesn't like it's not a it's not well executed horror in my opinion at those moments. It's just like, oh, there is no there is nothing about these animatronics that's scary other that that other than that they can hurt you. Like if this movie yeah. had focused a lot more if this what I was hoping for this movie was that it would be a lot closer to that experience from the first game where the animatronics eventually move because they eventually have to. Eventually you have to see them as monsters probably. But yeah. like up until then, there's a lot, there would be a lot of like neither show nor tell, just show that something is very off and the audience has to put it together in their heads. Yeah. I, I don't know why they, they let the bag out, like the cat out of the bag so quickly. Like, I, I think you're, you're really right with how, once you see it's like the once you see the animatronics move themselves like you never see them move in the game physically right yeah uh, maybe in two i think you do in two well, and three but like a little bit but in the first one the only time you see them move is during the jump scares like sometimes they'll like yeah you know it'll be like a png which shakes a bit yeah and like just watch like you 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 very there, there's there should have been a lot more limitations with like i mean it's like with jaws and steven spielberg the shark you rarely see the shark it had very limited movements but you felt its presence right yeah and they really should have taken that route with this movie because the more you see them move the more you're like they don't really seem that dangerous they move like they, like i can walk faster than them you know, yeah. like I can casually walk faster than they can sprint because they're animatronics. Um, and like, there's never any like sense of like, are they conscious? You know, like, I think you see them and like literally the first night Mike's there, he's asleep and you kind of see on one of the cameras, I think it was Chica and Bonnie, like they, they move their heads like to look at the camera, I think. I think um, that sounds right. Like they do very small thing. movements. But it's like, once you see that, then it's like, it's over, you know, like there's nothing else to discover about the animatronics. Whereas Mm -hmm. I really think it would have been better if like, it's five nights at Freddy's. So then the first night he goes and he's there all night. And then he he like maybe notices like, hey, wasn't this looking the other way before? Like, and he's like, that's weird. But then he's like dealing with home stuff and he comes back the second night and then just slowly progresses until you know, in the third act, he's like, oh my God, like these things are alive and they're trying to kill me. That feels like what any horror movie you should do, right? Like it feels very straightforward well, and basic. There's a really promising moment halfway through where like his aunt, his evil aunt has contracted a bunch of burglars to just break <laughs> in and break a bunch of stuff. And I think the best version of that scene 
is just to let them break in and then cut to the next night when Mike is back at his job. And like things, things are, things are like broken up and there's this entire like big mess. But the worst thing you could do and the thing that this movie does is show the burglars breaking in and getting assaulted by animatronics. It's just like a funny monster gore scene. Like there's, there's a scene where, where an evil cupcake gnaws on a thing's leg, on a guy's leg for a while. And it's, it's funny. But like, I don't know, maybe the movie is supposed to be funny, but I don't think that's a place where they should have been going for laughs. I think that's like a place where they could have really sold the horror and went for the easiest possible way to not do that instead. Yeah, the 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 that scene I like I think there's potential in that scene. Like like if you're I think if you're gonna let let the animatronics go crazy earlier you have to make it disturbing and i think the problem is is that when you do see violence it's very pg like it's a pg-13 movie but like i think something that could work with the animatronics if you're gonna see the move is like it gets really bloody because you know there's like at least for me i get it's very emotionally confusing and like disturbing to see these childhood like friendly characters probably covered in blood ripping people apart that's that to me that's disturbing right Mm -hmm. so there's a lot of potential in that but if the violence is happening and you don't really see any of it then like you don't even get that like the the tonal clash of childhood dolls killing people essentially there's that there's one scene you kind of it's like in the shadows but like that woman gets cut in half by freddie closing his mouth that was kind of cool I like that. I wish I saw that though. Or I wish yeah. that and that's this is one of the few instances where it's like I wish I saw more gore or I wish I saw that physically happen. This this feels like one of the very few cases where seeing it happen I think could have been a lot more interesting. And if you're not going to see it happen, then you have to do that slow build up. Because other than that, you don't really have anything cuz on their own the animatronics aren't scary. Um and uh and they're not creepy at all to me. Like, they would never were in the movie. When we were talking about The Conjuring, I brought up the fact that the exorcism in The Conjuring... Like, I compared The Exorcism in The Conjuring to The Exorcism in The Exorcist. And what The Exorcist does so well... And I said this already, but, like, I'm going to say it again. What The Exorcist does so well... When I'm watching The Exorcist, I fully believe that in the world of The Exorcist, there's the supernatural. Like, it's just... A person is actually being possessed by a demon. But... It is totally a valid reading of the movie to just not believe that, to believe that there is a rational explanation for everything. And for what it's worth, within that movie, you can have that rational explanation. Like nothing is so wildly outlandish that it could not possibly be explained rationally. And I think that like with Five Nights at Freddy's, you could do so much more with the horror if you tried to do that as much as possible, like when you're, when you're seeing the animatronics killing people, like, you know, at first it should be an animatronic moves in a way that it shouldn't probably move, but could totally be accidental and accidentally like slaps a dude in a way with enough force that it like kills him or something. And like, 
they even establish something that I think is very stupid, but could be very interesting if they like did it right. They establish that the animatronics are built in such a way that people are supposed to be able to like put them on as suits. But for whatever reason, the like the skeletons that they use to make them work as suits if you don't put the safety on properly, they cut into your flesh something fierce and like tear you apart from the inside, which I don't know why anyone would ever design that, but whatever we're in this world and you've got that as a thing, use that. Like they use it at the end, but like they're showing that these are very dangerous animatronics. And then the way that they're dangerous is that they are also monsters. Like, let them be dangerous as animatronics because they're animatronics that are misbehaving. Like, I mean, in the games, too, there there's this idea that, like... Because they say, like, oh, the ch- the children's bodies are were stuffed in there, right? Yeah. It's like, they don't show that at all. Like, I'd like to see, like, maybe Fred... Maybe Freddy has, like, I don't know, like, guts kind of oozing out of him. Or, like, old guts. Like, you see the remnants of a body kind of coming out of it you know or something like that's creepy that's really creepy one thing that i was definitely missing is no one ever commented on the smell of the animatronics and those should smell rancid like there's been bodies decaying in there for years yeah and they reference it in the games i think but like i think that's why freddy's is shut down in the games is that they are there's there's a health hazard they smell rotten something like that right so it makes sense like, like well, and as you said, like the bodies being stuffed into the animatronics, they bring that up in this movie. Like it's not mm. it's not something that they're like, no, we're going to go in a different direction. That's definitely a thing that's in the movie. You don't see it, as you said, but like it's there. They mention it. And yeah, it's supposed to be this bit like, oh, my God, the children's bodies are in there. But it's like if you don't see it, you know, I mean, I don't need to physically see him like hiding the bodies in there, but like. I need a, some sort of visual representation for how creepy that is. Because on the surface, it's like it's like when you see Freddy, Freddy literally bit someone in half. Like not like slightly bit someone, like he chomped someone like through someone's spine. And then the next day, there's nothing on him. He looks like is clean. And it's, they don't even like now that I think about it, there's no rusted look to them. Like not that much, at least. Freddy looks very fine. I think the bird one looked a little old. But like there's not much of a used presence. Like these are things that have been dead from like the nineties, right? Like there should be more of a, a creepy old feeling to them, but they looked brand new. Like there was no, not much of a so uh, visual representation of them being old, old things. It's not quite as long of a timeline as you're suggesting, because this movie, I believe they don't say it specifically, oh, right. But this movie takes place in the 90s, like probably early yeah. 90s. It was hard to tell because like, I guess other than, no, even the cars, they weren't, they didn't look that old, right? I'm trying to think, I, I guess the biggest thing was the, um, at home they used like a CRT TV and they used wired phones. So I think those yeah. were the only signifiers to me that it was maybe the 90s, I guess, or early 2000s. I don't know. It, um, yeah, I don't, they didn't say a specific year that I remember hearing, but I think it was like early 90s. And yeah. like, it is the year, the specific year is known. 
because I'm pretty sure this takes place dirt at the same time as the original Five Nights at Freddy's, which also takes place in a year that is specified somewhere. Yeah, I think it's 93. Um, But yeah, I don't know, dude. But like, even then, it's an abandoned place. I don't think they should look like they've been... Like, if you look at animatronics that have... Like, if you ever watch YouTube videos of, like, people exploring old Disney parks and going to the places that are off-limits, you know, they shouldn't do that. But uh, when they do, the animatronics there look... They don't look... They don't necessarily look that run down if they haven't been, you know, actively... uh, If no one's actively, like, going around and tearing them apart... But they definitely look like they haven't been maintained, and I I think I think Foxy the the fox character in this looked like he was not that maintained. But other than that, yeah. everything looked fine. And like yeah. just like you're saying, when Freddy bites a person in half, there's not even any blood on the on the mecha- on the animatronic. Yeah, it's a very well, yeah, just imagine kill, killing. Like what you said, where like you the the break in happens off screen, and he walks in, and then Freddy's face is like complete. Like there's there's guts in it, there's blood, and you'd be like, "What the hell happened last night?" You know? Yeah. So it's like that. Like, yeah, I don't know. There's like part of me is like, there's so much potential here, but then I'm also like, I feel like this was the inevitable, like way the movie was gonna play out because like I like. It's, it definitely seems like they're trying to play to a very wide audience. And this was advertised as a horror movie, but I would have, I don't even know what genre this is. This is very, I'd say this is almost like a family movie. Uh, with yeah, horror, I mean, very slight horror element. It's like a little more grown up than Goosebumps. <laughs> but are there like serial killers in Goosebumps though? Like, I believe so, yes. Oh, there, okay, never mind. I could be wrong, um, but I believe so, yes yeah okay that's fair but anyways i like there's so there, there a lot of the horror elements don't work and then just like a lot of the writing's just bad i thought the vanessa character was just terrible she reminded me so much of that one character in ant-man and the wasp quantumania michelle pfeiffer michelle pfeiffer who the whole time knew exactly what was going on but was like <laughs> i can't tell you because it's too painful for some reason yeah and like the same thing with this vanessa character the whole time she's like if i tell you what's going on you'll be scared it's like okay (laughs) it's like but you're still letting him go back it's the same thing like she's like it's like they're having a fun night and then like uh and then abby it's just such a random scene abby the the little sister gets electrocuted by the guitar for some reason and, and she's like, if you care about your sister, you won't let her come back. And it's like, I it wasn't his idea. Yeah. No, she was like, I will shoot you if you bring your sister back here. And was it like, it was like 20 minutes ago, They she was like, let's build tables with the animatronics. Let's build a table for her with the animatronics. And it's just like, what is this character? Like, nothing she does or says. I mean, even at the start, there's like, she's just giving Mike the tour and it's just like <laughs> this is one scene where she's like she turns the animatronics on she's like want to dance and then the animatronics go for like literally two seconds i think they dance for five seconds and then they stop and then she's like i guess not it's like who talks like that like he didn't even have a chance to answer do you want to dance like it was just so weird 
And I, I, I don't want to blame that on her. I don't think personally that she's a great actor, but also the editing and the writing. I mean, even Matthew Lillard, dude. Like I, Matthew Lillard, at least in the the final reveal, he, I could tell he really struggled with those lines because those were, he was put in a very terrible position, in my opinion. To Matthew to act Lillard that out. is the reason I watched this movie. And I'm very sad for him in this movie because he was so like he didn't have anything to do like him and Elizabeth Lale, who plays Vanessa, uh, the character you're just talking about, like the writing for them is so atrociously bad. It's like, why are they even in this movie? Well, yeah, it's weird. They set up this father daughter dynamic and then it only really plays out on screen for like 30 seconds where they don't really act like father daughter at all. He's just kind of like, do what I tell you. And then That's she's the like, no. Is, and then he stabbed I wouldn't her. even. Like, <laughs> I wouldn't even say they actually build up the father-daughter dynamic. I would say that they build up one character, they refuse to build up Matthew Willard's character, and then at the very end, they reveal that it's a father and daughter. And, like, they haven't built up to that dynamic at all. Yeah, that's true, Hell, yeah. they've mostly ignored Matthew Willard for an hour and a half by that point. It's just yeah. that, like, they bring him back as this big reveal and the and the other big reveal is that the the lady who's been in all of these scenes who you know you never want to see because she brings the whole mood down she's his daughter and it's it makes as she's much sense like, as it has to okay. i guess it just isn't even really a payoff yeah i feel like there could have been a sense of betrayal where she's like been lying to mike the whole time but it's like but she never said anything she never you said can't anything. Lie if you never say anything. And she's been acting very weird the entire movie. <laughs> like, she's the most sus person in the movie. She just walks in and she's like, "Yeah, this is like part of my rounds as a police officer." And then she spends like all night there, and like she's just giving him a tour of the place for some reason. It's like, like I'm not a police officer, but from what I can tell, that's not normal behavior for any police officer. <laughs> so yeah, and then at the end, Mike's like. Vanessa, like, I know you tried to do what was right at the last minute, so thank you. It's like, well, if she told him what was happening at the start, none of it would have happened. Like, yeah. why? I Like, she's not a good person. I don't, I don't know, dude. And, like, how many did, was she part of killing the other police officers? Did she know, I mean, night guards, did she know her dad killed those kids and she had proof and she never told anyone? Like, Sounded like she knew her dad killed kids and she just didn't say anything. Yeah, it's like, like maybe if she assumed her dad died or something, there's something like maybe like, like she thinks her dad died and then he throws up and she's like very like confused. She's like, what the hell? You know, just so much of this movie makes no sense. Freddie, Freddie shows up at his, at Mike's house. How the hell did he get to her? His house doesn't make any uh, sense. He used a cab. He came in the cab. No, but it can't. Well, I guess it could have been a cab, but it can't have been the same cab that took them back to Freddy's because he was surprised to see Freddy. So it's right. like, I don't know. Like, what the hell? I don't even, I can't fathom some of the choices here. To be honest, though, it's not the worst. I, I thought it was watchable. I, w I was never like truly invested. So there was never a point where I was like, like, angry or anything i was just like this is a stupid movie that's kind of, it's just kind of a stupid man movie but i was never bored i'll give it that i, mean, I was like, never bored and i was interested to see how what would happen throughout the movie 
I fully understand that this movie was clearly not made for me. So like, I'm, I'm yeah. just willing to accept that because I didn't like it and I had a bad time in the theater, but also clearly the people around me had a great time. So the people yeah. who this movie is made for awesome. Not me. I though. know. I know how Mar- non-Marvel fans feel when we used to be very excited in the movies. Yeah. And now I'm annoyed at myself. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's never bad to be excited about something. I'll never. It's, it's totally and like, okay. what I've seen people commenting on is that this is a gateway horror movie. Like, kids will watch this movie and it's very kid friendly. And then maybe from here they'll go on and watch other horror movies, other like good horror movies. And Better eventually horror. they'll get into like, and then eventually maybe they'll become cinephiles. Which, yeah. cool. You know what? If that's the case, I hope so. It, it feels like Scooby-Doo, but for some reason in a Scooby-Doo movie, there's a, an actual serial killer, <laughs> which feels... it's it, it reminds me of those, like, the Red Letter Media videos where it'll be like, Star Wars is a children's movie, and then they'll have, like, these, like, 20-minute scenes about politics in a children's movie. It's like... <laughs> are you sure this is a kid's movie like why is there a serial killer in this like i don't that doesn't seem like a kid's movie type of thing but yeah i mean kids gotta learn about the world somehow and if that has to be through freddy fazbear's animatronic child possession then good for them, killing yeah. serial killers that's you know that's just the way the world is that's just how things work on this bitch of an earth <laughs> yeah so uh Five Nights at Freddy's, Pierre. What would you give it? What would you say? It's like a four. It's watchable. I don't regret watching it, but I kind of wish I watched it on Peacock, I guess. The problem is no one has... It's making a lot of money because no one has Peacock. That's the problem. So <laughs> there you go. I don't know. Yeah, I, uh, I, I'd i put it lower. I'd put it like a two and a half, maybe. Maybe like a strong yeah. two. I don't know. No, no, because as soon as I, as soon as the word strong comes out of my mouth, I'm like, no, I got to... I got to rephrase that a week too. Yeah. I'll give it a week too, like a soft uh, too, a flaccid say, too. I'm kind of interested in what a sequel would do though. I think there's room for a sequel for sure. I think it can work. If they truly actually like fix some of the problems with this movie, then I would be very excited to watch that. Cause I think yeah. it sets something up at least, you know, but yeah, if that's I'm... more of the same, then I don't want to watch it. <laughs> Well, and I'd be very interested considering they killed... In this movie, they introduce and kill the main villain of the series. Well, that's actually what happens to him in the games. He just survives for some reason, though. It doesn't make any sense. It's like... Fair. He gets trapped in the suit, and then he survives for the next 30 years in the suit. And it's just a weird thing. I'm not going to say that I am the ultimate critical authority on this, but I do hope that if there is a second one, and I know that this movie is already extremely profitable, so there could be a second one. Uh, if there is a second one, I assume they will bring on Scott Coffin to, you know, at least do some of the writing as well. Mm-hmm. I very much hope that Scott Coffin will listen to the criticisms as well as listening to the fans, because Fans of this movie, the people that were already predisposed to like it, they went into this movie and they loved it. That's great. I think that this concept has enough there that you could make a movie that appeals to the fans and also brings in new fans. And I don't think this movie does that. 
but I would hope that by listening to the criticisms uh, of this movie and like listen, listening to the critics for this movie, he could make, uh, they could make a five nights at Freddy's two that does just that. Like this is a really yeah. promising concept and I really hope that they're able to deliver on it if they bring a second one, if they make a second one. Yeah, I think like a prequel could work. I think like it kind of reminds me of Mario. Like actually, this this movie in general, like so much of Mario didn't make sense to me too. But it it it's like there's something there. There's a foundation, and I think they could do a lot more with it in the future. And I'm excited to see that if it is better than what we got. So I yeah. I kind of see this as like they got their foot in the door now because video game movies have had such a bad rep for being bombs for like forever actually this feels like the first year where it's actually working yeah um, except for maybe sonic but i'd argue sonic's not just a video game character so, sonic is ahead of his time though and he came is. out ahead of <laughs> ahead of super mario bros so yeah that's just in character yeah of course but yeah they have their foot in the door i think now studios maybe will give a lot more room for video game movies to be adapted more closely to the games or have a lot more creative uh, influence and not just the studios fixing things. So, uh, yeah, I'm hopeful for the future, mm -hmm. but we'll see. All right. Well, anyway, I'm going to have you do this again. What's our, uh, what's our last word, Peter? Freddy.